Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and your texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or if you have things going on in your life that you're curious, what does the Bible say about those things? We'd love to answer those questions for you and talk with you. And we'd love to field your prayer requests. Uh, we have a whole community of people listening. And uh, it's so cool when we get to pray for things going on in your life. And then we get to uh, say amen together with so many people listening over the airwaves. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. So again, the text number is 720-336-0897. I want to say welcome to all of you who are tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, we know there's so many of you tuning in on the Front Range from uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, all the way down to Pueblo, Colorado. And we uh, are so glad that you're tuning in here on Grace FM. We also know that there are so many listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to the program. So glad that you're with us as well. And we're also glad to be syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Just excited about how many people and how many different areas this show is reaching and getting to minister to and answer questions for and pray for. You know, I know I was listening to the show. Someone else was hosting last week, but I was listening and we were getting calls from places like Florida and Texas, California. So it's really cool. Uh, just a reminder that those of you listening on the air on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the show on a one week delay. So you're hearing uh, the show one week later than it airs live. But we'd love for you to still call in and then you get to tune in a week later and you get to listen to yourself on the radio, tell your friends, it'll be cool. For those of you listening here in Colorado, Wyoming area, you're hearing the show live. So we'd love to talk with you over the airways, answer your questions, pray for you, and talk about things going on in your life. We want to give a big hello also to everyone who listens online. We know that there are so many who tune in from all these different places on the mobile app. So if you don't have that mobile app, go out and get it. Just go to your app store and type in Grace FM and it should come up right away. And you can just download that app and you can listen over the internet wherever you are in the country or even internationally. And if you are sitting at a desktop computer or a laptop, you can always just go in your browser to gracefm.com and you can listen live. There's a listen now button or a listen live button that you can click on and you can listen to the show. But however you've tuned in today, we're glad that you're with us. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life that you'd like uh, to talk about as far as what the Bible has to say about them. Or if you have a prayer request, please give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. The number to call, 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a Christian church, non-denominational Christian church in Longmont, Colorado. 
and we meet in the St. Vrain Memorial Building right in downtown Longmont every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and we have uh, worship music, we take communion, and we study the Word together. And uh, for those of you in the, White, in the Longmont area, we'd love to have you come visit us sometime if you're looking for a place to worship or if you'd like to check us out. Um, we're at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which is right one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. So right on the corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman, the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman in the St. Vrain Memorial Building. And you can find directions and you can go on, on our website and listen to our old teachings and things like that and get info about what's going on in the church and all that good stuff at whitefieldschurch.com. So it's whitefieldschurch.com. Com. You can also hear me here on Grace FM every uh, weekday at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time. At 2.30 p.m. I'm on. Um, our, we have our sermons cut for the radio at that time. Our show's called Life in the Field, which is an allusion to the idea that we're living our lives in God's mission field. And then we're also on, so that's weekdays, every weekday, 2.30 p.m. and also Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And hey, I want to tell you about something cool that's happening this coming Sunday if you haven't ever joined us and you're in the area and you've been thinking about doing it, make sure to join us this coming Sunday because we're doing an outdoor service. And um, it's really cool. You know, we're right in downtown Longmont. We've got apartment buildings around us and um, and we're in the city park. Where, so to the northwest of us is the city park here in Longmont. It's called Roosevelt Park. And uh, so Roosevelt Park, you know, we are we are in this kind of grassy area in this giant tree. That's right in front of our building. I mean, this thing is humongous. And so what we what we do is once a year, we set up in the park right in front of the memorial building. And, you know, we set out a couple hundred chairs and we uh, just invite the community. And we have church right there in front of the building out in the park under the shade of this big tree. And people, what's really cool, this last year, we had people from the apartment buildings just sitting out on their balconies listening to it. We had people walking their dogs and decided to stay for service, people out jogging or walking. And and so if you are in the Longmont area or anywhere within the uh, nearby region, we'd love for you to come out and join us for that um, outdoor service this coming Sunday at 10 a.m. St. Vrain Memorial Building, 700 Longs Peak Avenue. So Longs Peak Avenue, just one block west of Main Street in downtown Longmont. Let's go to our first caller. Let's go to Roberto in Fort Collins. Hey, Roberto. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. How are you doing today? Doing great. What's up? Um, I, first and foremost, I just want to praise the Lord for um, the ministry of Grace FM. It just blesses me and anoints me every day, and and um, the, just the solid bi- biblical teaching that, that you guys put on is it's just amazing. So praise the Lord for that. Um yeah. So I've been in fellowship with with uh, on a regular basis with with one of my buddies, and um, multiple times he's brought up uh, um, spirits. Uh, that I we serve a lot of broken, and multiple times he's he's told me about. Um, he just mentioned that. Be careful about the spirits that could attach themselves to you, and and in my mind, it's you know we're covered by the blood, and and we're protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. So how could they attach? So I just want to get your take on it and something um, you know biblical to to stand on. Yeah. So I um yeah I know that there's kind of people trying to make a difference between um what do you call it like spirits 
being inside of a believer, indwelling a believer, versus attaching themselves to a Christian. And I think that is an important distinction to make. So I, I will start out by saying this. I do not believe that if a person is a Christian, that they can have an evil spirit in them or that they can be possessed by an evil spirit. And the reason for that is several, but one of the main reasons for it is, uh, you know, Romans chapter 8 tells us that to be a Christian means that you have the spirit of God within you. And right. um, if you don't have the spirit of God, that you're not a Christian is what it says there that you don't belong to God. In other places, we're told that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus talks about how a house can't be divided, you know. And so it's my understanding that uh, if the Holy Spirit is within a person, then they will not be possessed by any other foreign spirit. Now, I wouldn't say that's the case for someone who does not have the Holy Spirit within them. And in order, how do you, you know the question might be, how do I know if I have the Holy Spirit? And the answer is, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And right. so... Um, so that's an important distinction. As far as attaching themselves to you, I'm not really sure what these what what these people mean or where they get it from. Really, I, I know what they mean by it. I'm not really sure where they get the idea from. Mm -hmm. And that is the idea that they kind of cling to you and they kind of harass you. Can evil spirits harass a person who's a Christian? I think, of course, they can. They can harass you. Right. Satan himself is a liar and he harasses us. He's like a, a barking dog who tries to scare us or like, you know, our old boss who we don't work for anymore, still trying to yell orders at us and we don't have to obey him, but he's still yelling at us, you know, and, uh, but I do not think that there's any kind of, any kind of sense of concern that we need to have that some spirit is attaching itself to us. And, um, and I'm not, I'm not even sure first of all, where they get that or even what the implication of that would be. Like what happens if a whole, if a bad spirit does attach itself to you? You know, one of the main things that I, I go back to is in um, Colossians and 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So there's, there's two passages there that talk about what Jesus has done um, when, he, when he died and he rose again. And I, I absolutely love to talk about it. And the reason is because this, what it's saying there is it says that Jesus led them in procession and humiliated them. And here's what's so cool about that, that what it's doing there is it's drawing this word picture where in the Roman military, you know, ancient times, here's what would happen is it's like one military uh, unit, you know, from an empire would go into another area. And let's say they had a battle in a far off land. And let's say they, they were fighting against this rebel force or they're fighting against some other empire and they defeated them. Well, what they would do is not, they wouldn't, just kill all their army what they would do is they would capture them they would chain them up and then they would lead them in a procession all the way back let's say to rome like let's say the the winning army was rome they would lead you through the city of rome and usually they would strip them naked which was for yeah. humiliation and they would let people mock them throw things at them and it was just the this great form of humiliation and then check out what they would do next they would actually make them their slaves which is like the ultimate humiliation. Not only were you defeated, not only did you get humiliated and have to walk through the streets and, uh, you know, naked, and then, but then after that, you were made the people's slaves. And it says that that is what Jesus did to the spiritual forces. And mm -hmm. he led them in this procession and humiliated them publicly. And so it's saying that Jesus is the victor, that he has overcome them. And not only has he overcome them, but he has 
taken them. And I think you can actually flesh that out. Like, think that through, right? So Jesus has not only humiliated them, but what's the ultimate humiliation? Making them work for him. And and there's a there's an absolutely true way. And you can see this like in the book of Genesis, like with Joseph. Remember, he says what, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good and for the salvation Amen. of many people. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. I really believe that that's the case, that, that, that now we live in this thing where it's like, you know, is Satan still active? Are evil forces still active? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Can they harm us? Uh, yes. Um, but if we're in Christ, not only will um, God work all things for our good, but he will even take those which were meant for bad, even by the evil, and he will use them for good and for his purposes. And I think right. you can see the that in examples won. of that. Yeah, and so I think sometimes people talk about spiritual warfare as if it's kind of like this tug of war between God and Satan, and it's kind of like 50-50, but, you know, there's almost like there's, they wouldn't say this, but it's almost as if this is the tone of what they're saying. It's like, well, God is just barely hanging on, man, and like his side is just barely hanging on. Satan and his forces are so strong. So what you need to do is you need to hop on God's side and start tugging on that rope too. And if enough of us do that, then God might win. And I think that, you know, really, if we would think about some of the things that we're saying and the implications of them, I think that the implication is that we don't really think that God is first of all, winning the battle or that he is strong enough that he kind of needs our help. And I can understand how that can motivate some people to really, you know, dig in. But I don't think that's a, a theologically accurate motivation. So anyway, I hope that uh, gives you something to work with. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. And, um, you know, in my mind is, you know, we stay prayed up and, and stay close to the to the Father and, and stay in our word. And, 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 you know, we're protected, putting on the full armor of God daily and and um, you know the Lord's gonna, the Lord's gonna see us through, for sure. Uh, can I get one quick prayer request, brother? Um, yeah. So um, you know I'm a, I'm a single male, and you know my my heart yearns for a wife, and and I still struggle with sexual purity, and and um, if you could just pray for me for that. Yes, absolutely. Heavenly Father, we pray for Roberto. Thank you for his heart uh, for you. Thank you for his heart for really knowing you and and knowing your ways. And Lord, I also pray for him in this desire to please you in the way that he lives his life. Lord, I know that so many young men, so many single young men and women struggle in this area. And so, Lord, we pray for Roberto. And we also pray for other uh, single young people listening who struggle with these uh, areas. And we know it's not just limited to young people either. So, Lord, we pray for us that you would help us to walk in purity. Lord, that we would truly be able to put that old man to death and live in the new life that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would, by your spirit, empower Roberto for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right on, brother. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for the call. God bless you. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Bob in Mead, Colorado. Hey, Bob, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you very much, Pastor Nick. Hey, I really appreciate your preaching. You're really driving a lot of great things home for me. Awesome. Yeah, Bob, you're just down the road from me. Yeah, I know. I visited your church before, and I was really really enthralled. You're, You're a great teacher. Oh, I appreciate that compliment. Thanks, Bob. Yeah. Hey, so 
Pastor Nick, I have a question about Luke 16. I don't quite understand how come there's like 13 verses about this this evil manager and what we're supposed to learn from it. I, I still don't understand that whole piece about go out and be shrewd, you know, be out of even more goods. So yeah. if you could help me understand that. Absolutely. In fact, I just uh, taught on this recently. So what I'm doing right now is we're talking, I'm pulling up my notes uh, from that message. And um, let me see here. It, it was one of my favorite parables. I remember as a new Christian feeling just totally confused, uh, kind of like what you're expressing. Like, why is this parable in here? And why does Jesus yeah. compliment this guy? Because he seems like a crook. And yeah, uh, he's telling you to be wise, but wise about what? Yeah. So here's here's the way I would put it. Just in one sentence, here's what it would come back to. Is Jesus is saying this. He's saying, you and me, we need to reverse engineer our lives. We need to reverse engineer our lives. You get, you know what I mean by reverse engineer, right? It means we need to think from the end backwards. Yeah, I do. Right? So like here's, here's the examples that I used in this sermon. I said, uh, you know, if you would know now um, what, well, if you would have known then, like let's say 20 years ago, what you know now, what would you have done differently? Like, so for example, I did the calculations and I saw that if you had, uh, let's say you graduated from high school 20 years ago. So I'm kind of coming up on that age myself. So if I would have graduated high school 20 years ago and um, if I would have, instead of going to college, if I would have just bought $2,000 of Microsoft stock or Apple stock, where would I be today? And I mean, I would be rolling in cash, right? Like I would not, right, right. I mean, I, I might be a pastor because uh, that's fulfilling, but I, I uh, wouldn't have to work any other jobs or anything. So the point is that if you uh, knew, you know, if I knew now what I'm going to know in 20 years, what would, how would I live differently? That's really the whole point of the parable. And it is a bit of a confusing parable because, again, this guy is being talked about who's basically kind of a, you know, he's not a straight guy. Like he's doing something to his boss. But it is funny that his boss at one point says to him, kind of like, he's like, hey, well, you know, you weren't, you're kind of a little shady, but at least you, you were shrewd. Yeah. Like you were smart. I got to give it to you. You know, it's kind of like when you look at somebody who does something that's not great, but... Uh, yeah, so, and again, I think the key in understanding this is it's not the man's dishonesty that Jesus is commending, it's his shrewdness, meaning his, you know, forward thinking. So I would, I call this, I, I called the message a forward thinking investment strategy. And it's about thinking, how would you live your life um, if you really started from the future and moved your way back? What things would you prioritize? What things would you do differently? How would you spend your money? How would you spend your time? You know, it's that whole idea that nobody gets to the end of their life and says, I wish I would have spent more time, you know, uh, posting yeah. pictures of my dinner on Instagram, right? So, uh, and so, yeah. so here's my points on this message. Just, uh, and then I'll, I'll actually, if you'll give your email address to the, um, the station manager after we get off the phone, I'll just, uh, I'll send you a link to the message later. But it's on our church website for anybody who's listening. Just go to whitefieldschurch.com and in the search bar, type in, a forward-thinking investment strategy, and it's in our parables study, which I did last summer. So here's number one. Number one is you are a steward, right? It means that God has given you resources, and you are a steward of those resources. 
Next is think about your next station, meaning, okay, first of all, the next stage in your life, but what's your next station even after this life? And how would you live your life differently? And then invest accordingly, meaning not only uh, your time and the way that you live your life, but but um, your money, you know, and, and things like that. How, how would you live differently if you thought backwards from the end of your well, life? Well, great. Thanks, Nick. I, I will study that and try to understand that as best I can. Awesome. So I would appreciate that. Do you have time for one more question? Sure. All right. Well, what about the loaves? I'm confused about why he counted the loaves in several parables, and then the uh, apostles were concerned about the loaves, you know, because we didn't bring bread. So um, I've heard one pastor talk about it, but I, I don't understand that one either. Do you have anything on that? Well, Talk the only thing the that comes to mind loaves. is that, oh, is if they're uh, symbolic or, or if they represent something? Is that what you mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm thinking they represent something. They had seven baskets and they had 12. I mean, I don't understand the essence of that counting baskets of leftovers. Yeah. So, okay, well, let's, uh, let's go into it. So there are two things that I want to say about this. Number one is whenever we interpret a passage, we want to first interpret it in its literal sense, meaning not allegorical, not as a uh, metaphor for something, but we need to understand it in its literal sense. And then maybe there is a allegorical sense to it, but we first have to take it at its literal interpretation. Let me just give you one brief example, then I'll answer your question. So it's like Abraham and Sarah, right? They had a child with Hagar, and that child was Ishmael. And then they had the child of the promise, who was Isaac. Now, that's a true story that actually happened, and there are a lot of things that happened with that, right? But then later on, Paul says in Galatians that, that there was an allegorical meaning to that, or an allegorical significance to that. Does that mean that the story isn't true in its literal sense? No, not at all. It just means that every, so every passage we look at, we want to look at it first from its literal meaning, especially if it's a historical story, and then we want to look at it if it has an allegorical meaning, which it not always does. So uh, let's look at the literal meaning of the loaves and the fishes. A kid brought his lunch. It was very little food, but Jesus took something that was very little, and he made it into something that fulfilled and satisfied everybody. He did a miracle in multiplying something and doing something where um, it seemed impossible, but Jesus made it possible. He took care of people's needs and, and all of that. Is there an allegorical meaning? Well, yes, because Jesus is the bread from heaven. He says that himself in John chapter 6. I am the bread from heaven, right? He's the manna from heaven. So the manna is a picture right. of Jesus, God's sustenance for us, fulfilling our every hunger. Now, is there a thing when it comes to um, the, the um, number of loaves? Well, you know, generally in, in the Bible, seven is the number of perfection. Twelve is the number of the tribes of Israel. And that's often, you know, it's a very important point in the New Testament that's often overlooked is that Jesus is creating a new community. He's not replacing Israel. It's not a new Israel, but he's creating a new community. And, and he uses similar numbers. He uses 12 disciples representing 12 tribes of Israel. He's creating a new community um, based on uh, a new covenant. And so I think those there's some significance there. I will say I think there more than anything it is the literal meaning of this. Um and that is this that the the disciples had seen Jesus feed 5000 people. 
See, there are two different occasions where he did a, a miracle where he fed a lot of people with very little. And right. I find that very interesting. And I believe it's, uh, I believe it's Mark's gospel where he, he actually shows those two back to back. So it isn't that, um, you know, some gospels got the number wrong and some gospels got the number right. Like one gospel says 4,000, one other says 5,000. No, one gospel actually puts the two events right next to each other and shows that these two things happened like back to back. And what that shows is, man, uh, like, you know, and now I tend to think, hey, if I had seen Jesus feed like 5,000 people, I probably would have trusted him the next time there was a similar situation to feed 4,000 people. But apparently they didn't, and therefore I probably shouldn't be so confident in my uh, ability to trust him as <laughs> yeah. well either. It, it's giving me a mirror to myself. It's giving me a window into my own tendencies and my own soul. So. All right. Cool. Well, thank you. That's the best explanation I've ever heard. So, oh, I, I appreciate, appreciate that, it. Bob. God bless you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. I'll, I'll hang on. Oh, you're good. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We're answering your Bible questions and anything you have going on in your life. If you're curious what the Bible says about it or if you have a prayer request, we would love to talk to you. Let's go to Josh in Centennial, Colorado. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the program. Hey, Nick. How you doing? Doing great. That's good. Um, I've been a listener for a long time, and I've always felt like I should call, but I never have. Um, there was a conversation I heard you, you having earlier about um, spirits latching on to people and then God making evil spirits like a slave when Jesus died on the cross and he became victorious. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I guess where I'm trying to get to, my question is, um, I guess I believe that God gave Satan free will, and that's why Satan was able to rebel against God. And then um, the reason why God allows evil to exist in the world and stuff and allow temptation into our lives is to test us. Um, I guess a lot, I just know a lot of young people ask the question of, if God exists, how come he lets evil and suffering into the world? And I guess my belief and what I want, I hope a lot of other people understand is, Maybe it's God's will to let that happen so that he sees our hearts so that when he allows us into paradise, he knows we won't make the same rebellious um, mistakes as Satan did against him, and so he knows us better. Is that something that makes sense to you guys? Well, I certainly understand what you're saying. Um, I'm, I don't think I agree with the concept that we will have free will after uh, we are in heaven. And, uh, and I don't think that we will have, I'll put it this way, I, I, I actually avoid the phrase free will because I think it's misleading and it tends to have a lot of um, baggage around it. People get really, you know, they latch onto it or they react against it. So let's, let's not talk about the term free will. Instead, let's just say, will we have the ability to sin in heaven? And my answer to that would be, I don't believe so. Because I believe that sin and death will be done away with. Jesus has defeated sin, death, and the devil. And I believe that they will be done away with once and for all in, uh, in eternity. Um, sin will be punished for eternity. And those who are in heaven will, will be free from sin and its disastrous effects. And the reason we know that 
by the way, is because in Revelation chapter 22, 20 through 22, you know, we're reading about how in heaven there will be no more sickness, no more death. See, sin causes death. And Paul says in Romans chapter 6, he says, so therefore where there is death, you can conclude that there has also been sin. That might be Romans chapter 5. Anyway, the point is that there's a correlation between uh, death and sin and and sin and death. In other words, where the one is, the other is also. So if there is no more death, by implication, we, we can understand that there is no longer any sin. And um, and if there would be sin, then there would be death. And there would be sickness, okay. there would be destruction, there would be all of these things. So it's my understanding, I, be, I believe it's accurate that um, we can... Uh, actually, hey, I need to go to break right now. Josh, do you want to hang on through the break? We'd love to have yeah, you. Okay, we'll be back be in uh, two minutes' time. The number to call if anyone else would like to get on, 303-690-3000. We'll be back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Hey, let's go back to the call we were on just before the break. We were talking to Josh in Centennial, Colorado. Hey, Josh, are you still there? Yes, sir, I am. All right. Hey, thanks for hanging on through the break. So what we were talking about was this question of uh, will there be sin in heaven? And we kind of got to that question uh, by way of talking about something else, which I do want to answer. That's why I asked you to hang on through the break. Um, so, Josh, remind me of your original question. Was it you were asking essentially, um, does God allow evil to happen as a result of free will? Or, or can you maybe rephrase so, the question? So, yeah, let me clarify. I guess... Uh... My question was, I hear a lot of young people um, say, particularly my little brother um, is where I get it the most from, is if God exists, then how come he lets suffering exist? How come he lets us, you know, all this evil, all of the evil things in the world, um, sexual temptation um, and more immorality and stuff like that exists? Um, mm -hmm. if, if you have anything like that, well, if God exists, how come we let evil evil in the world? How come we we don't, you know, live in a more righteous in a more righteous yeah. world, basically? No, so for that's sure, basically, where I'm getting to that that's one of the big questions, one of the biggest questions that's ever been asked. There's a whole area of theological study based around that one question, and that question is basically what you what you expressed and the topic of theology, the area of theology is called theodicy. So if you ever need to know that for any reason, it's theodicy, which is basically means, you know, giving a defense for why there's evil in the world. And um, I'll tell you this, the very first book of the Bible that was ever written was probably the book of Job. Like chronologically, Job was probably the first one to ever be written. And Job deals with that very same question. And let me just give you some insights from Job, because here's the thing that the Bible tells us. I'll tell you some reasons why there's evil in the world. But here's the thing that Job tells us is that God doesn't always tell us the answer. We're not always going to know the answer to every single little thing. 
And how do we cope with that is really the question that Job deals with. Okay, so the Bible deals with that question in Genesis as well. But let me start with Job. Here's what happens with Job, right? So you have like this guy, he's called righteous. You know, it means that he's living the right way. He's living the way that God wants him to live. And yet bad things happen to him. In fact, really bad things, right? Like his kids die. He loses his business. He loses all of his wealth. He gets skin disease. He's in pain. And um, and the only person who doesn't die around him that he doesn't lose is his wife. But maybe he wishes he had because her advice to him is, obviously, God hates you. So why don't you just curse yourself and die? You know, and the, so he's just suffering, man. He's got it all coming down on him. And it says there that Job, how did he respond? He ripped his clothes. So he mourned outwardly. But it says Job in all of this, he never cursed God. And then one of my favorite verses in the Bible, because I, I went through a hard time myself. I remember my daughter uh, was in a coma and I remember reading this verse, Job chapter two, verse 10. His wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Just curse God and die. But Job said to her, you speak as one of the foolish people would speak. Shall we receive good from God? Shall we not also receive bad? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. I love that. It's so powerful. And I remember at a time when I was going through something very difficult, uh, that was very reassuring and very helpful to me. And so here's what happens with Job is then after that, they get in this like long conversation where it's like, Job's friends are basically saying this, hey, Job, here's how we know that life works. Bad stuff happens to bad people. You didn't seem like you were a bad person, but because of the bad stuff happening to you, clearly you must be a bad person and you must have some skeletons in the closet. And that's why these bad things are happening to you, because good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. And essentially, the book of Job refutes that idea and says, that's not how it works with God. And so Job says, no, I'm not a bad person. I don't have any skeletons in the closet. I do everything right. And then Job himself is asking, but I don't understand. I don't get it. Why has God let this happen to me? And finally, at the end of the book, and it's almost like thankfully, because they just keep going back and forth, then God steps into the conversation and says, hey, uh, Job, hey, it's me here. And here's some things I want to tell you. First of all, it doesn't work the way that you think it works and nor does it work the way your friends think it works. You know, it's not a system where everybody, you know, if you if you do the right things, then God will always make everything go well for you. And if you do bad things and God will make things go bad for you. You see that throughout the Psalms, right? David's like, God, I'm I'm following you and obeying you and I'm living in a cave and somebody's trying to kill me and he's living an unrighteous life. And yet he's rolling in money and, uh, you know, has a harem full of women at his house. So how does that work? Right. And so it's this whole idea of like, sometimes it seems that good succeeds or sorry, good doesn't succeed and evil succeeds. And how does that work? And Job is really important because it tells us that it doesn't work the way that a lot of people think. It doesn't work that, uh, you know, good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. But here is the one thing that it, Job tells us. God is sovereign. He knows the whole picture and he is working out his plan, even if he doesn't tell you and he doesn't always need to tell you why everything that happens happens the other thing the bible tells us is that the reason there's evil in the world is because there's sin in the world there's brokenness things are not the way that they were meant to be but here's the hope of the gospel that one day everything that is bad will be undone and things will be made right again and that is the hope that we have in jesus and we have even a hope beyond that which is this romans eight twenty eight, right 
that God is work, God, we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So if you're a Christian, that, that promise doesn't belong to everybody, but if you're a Christian, you're a child of God, then not only will, um, will you get to experience all of the bad things being undone eventually, but you get to experience, even in this life, things being right. Yeah. So, you know, and, and as far as why certain things happen, the Bible doesn't actually give us the answer. And, and you know, sometimes we say, someday you will know. But the fact is that someday you may, you may not know this side of heaven. And um, one of the verses that gives me a lot of solace is found in Revelation um, I, oh man, I'm, I'm spacing on the chapter, but uh, maybe 14. Anyway, Revelation, here's, here's the scenario. All these people have died and they've gone up to heaven and they're around the throne of God and they say to God, righteous and true are your judgments, O Lord. And what that means is that these people who have suffered injustice on the earth, once they get up to heaven and they see God, things from God's perspective and they see God, they are able to say, well, now, now we see in a way that we didn't see before, and now we conclude everything you did was right and true. So that gives me a lot of comfort. Does that, yeah. that help at all? Yeah, that that's good words. Um, yeah, I I've always told my brother that it's that he that he uses these things to um, to try to test us to see where our hearts are, and you know. Are we going to choose God over over evil things in the world, or are we going to give in to temptation? So um, that makes it a lot of sense, though. So Job it, Job sounds like something that I really should read when I'm before I talk to him about something like this. Um, you, I have a prayer request, though. You said that your daughter was in a coma, huh? Yeah, she was. Yeah, it's been many years, but she was. She's doing better now. I'm sorry to hear that. My mom just got out of a coma about three weeks ago. Um, okay. She was in a really bad car accident on I-76 and uh -huh. was thrown out of the vehicle. Um, so I just thought maybe uh, I would throw a prayer request out. This is why I've been feeling like I should call you guys because I've yeah. been dealing with this. And I haven't had a chance until today. So I just wanted to ask um, if if everyone will please pray for a nice recovery. Um, she's dealing with a lot being out of a coma, a lot of re rehab, and she's deaf in both ears, and her left eye doesn't work and stuff like that. So there's a long road ahead of us. So, Okay, yeah, I would uh, be happy to pray for your mom. Um, I'm glad that she's not in a coma anymore, so praise the Lord for that. But let's um, let's pray for her. Heavenly Father, I pray for, um, pray for my brother's mother, and I ask, Lord, uh, thank you that she survived this car accident, that she has uh, come out of the coma, and Lord, I pray that as she is recovering, Lord, would you just touch her with your healing hands? And Lord, would you cause her recovery to be quick? Would you cause it to be a full recovery? Pray for all the trauma, the brain trauma, if there's any PTSD, anything that's associated with it. Lord, we just ask for healing in every way. And we ask for strength for the family. Lord, we pray that even through this, they would uh, trust you. And remember these words of Job. Um, this man who did not sin with his lips, but who said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, no matter what happens in my life. Uh, may we have that heart of Job. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, Josh. Thanks for calling in. You too. Right. Thanks, Pastor Nick.
All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Hey, I just want to take the opportunity uh, to invite you personally to join me at the church that I pastor here in Longmont, Colorado. If you're in Longmont or within the surrounding towns, we would love to have you come visit us. And this Sunday in particular is a great opportunity for you if you've been maybe meaning to come visit us or you've been interested or maybe you're just hearing about us but we'd love to have you come visit us we're doing an outdoor service which we do once a year in the park right in front of our building which uh, for those of you who know our area here in Longmont it's the St. Vrain Memorial Building and it's part of Roosevelt Park which is the city park here in Longmont so we're right on the corner of Kaufman Street and Longs Peak Avenue which is one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue and we are going to be setting up uh, church and having church outside. So bringing some worship music out into the community and bringing Bible teaching right out into the open air in the community. And we would love for you to join us. We'd love to just have a packed house. Bring a friend. Bring some people you know. Maybe there's some of you listening and you have friends or relatives who live in Longmont. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to uh, bring them to church and introduce them to the church and hopefully to the Lord Jesus uh, this coming Sunday. So Whitefields Community Church, we're meeting in downtown Longmont. We're doing church in the park uh, right in front of our building. There's actually a park right in front of our building in the uh, Roosevelt Park there in Longmont, and we'd love for you to join us. So uh, more information is available on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Or check us out, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're everywhere on social media, so just search Whitefields Church, and we'd love for you to join us and uh, send other folks our way, hoping that this will be a great outreach. So um, let's go back to our call-in line. We have a, another caller, Dalton, from Fort Collins, Colorado. Hi, Dalton. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you doing? Doing great. Um, I was just listening to your last conversation, and uh, you said that Job was the oldest book as far as chronological order goes, and I just kind of wanted to learn more about that, I guess. Yeah, um, so, um, yeah, how do we know that? That's a great question. So the the main way, just the long and short of it, is it from Jewish tradition. The Jewish tradition tells us that Job is the oldest book in the Bible. But uh, I'll give you something more. There are a few more evidences. So here are some interesting things about the book of Job. Um, Job has more references to creation, to the flood, and to other what we might call primeval events than to any other book in the than uh, any other book in the Bible does, except for Genesis. And of course, Genesis deals with those things directly, telling those stories. Uh, we we believe that Genesis was compiled. Those first eleven chapters of Genesis were compiled or inspired by God as he, uh, by, they were written by Moses, but either compiled from other accounts that were already kind of written, kind of proto uh, books of the Bible, or, or maybe just oral accounts or, um, or things like that, but that Moses took them and put them together in the, in the book of Genesis. But it seems that Job was written before that, because if you consider when Moses lived, I mean, he lived, let's see, 400 years after Abraham. So there's quite a bit of time that went on there before Moses wrote or compiled or officially canonized or what you might call that. Um, actually, there's a word I'm looking for and it's not coming to my mind, but uh, or codified. That's the word I'm looking for, that before Moses officially codified the book of Genesis. Um, and so it's, it's believed in Jewish tradition 
um, which, you know, Jewish tradition is pretty accurate as far as most of this stuff goes. And Jewish tradition has been verified in a lot of different areas where they had traditions about how things were done. And then we later found out as we did archaeological research that uh, that their tradition was correct. So um, that's that's really the basics, you know, where it comes from. It, it contains other stuff, prim primeval events uh, other than any other book. And um, it says here, I'm reading this thing from Christian Research Institute. And it says, remarkably, the book of Job also contains more modern scientific insights than almost any other book in the Bible. Some people would even argue that um, Job refers to things like dinosaurs. You know, it's talking about these giant beasts in the sea and in the land. And uh, we're not exactly sure what creatures Job is talking about. You know, He talks about Leviathan, and he talks about another animal that uh, is kind of like a... It seems to be that it's describing a dinosaur. We don't know for sure, but... Right. It, these these are the reasons why Job is considered the oldest book in the Bible. Okay, well, so does that mean that Job uh, existed before Moses as well? Uh, yeah, that is what it means. Yes. Okay. Cool. All right. Cool. I just uh, that's all I was curious about. I just didn't know how that worked. So. Sure. Um, perfect. All right. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. You too. Thanks. All right. Bye. -bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Let's go to our text line, uh, which, by the way, if you'd like to text us, the number is 720-336-0897. But we prioritize the calls, so if you'd like to get on the air, we'd love to talk to you. Again, that number, 303 690 3000. So we have a text here from someone named Seth who says, Hi, I'm, I'm just wondering, are you born with spiritual gifts or is it something that comes about when you are saved or perhaps a mixture of both? Seth. So, I, you know, Seth, I think that it's a mixture of both. Um, I think that God gives us natural talents. And sometimes uh, I think that sometimes what happens is that God gives us a natural gearing or natural talent in a certain way. And then when the Holy Spirit comes into us at the time of our rebirth, right at the time of our um, our regeneration, when the Holy Spirit comes into us and and makes us into new people and begins to transform us and enliven us, that sometimes those spiritual gifts work together with our natural giftings or talents that God has given us and, and it works together to do something really powerful. Like I've seen, you know, it mentions in uh, 1 Corinthians and Romans that there's a spiritual gift of administration. Now there are some people who are already good at administration even though they're not Christians. Um, but I think that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and then you use the, that administrative gift in a supernaturally natural way, in a way that really uh, furthers the work of God and you use it for God's uh, work according to the Spirit. But there are other gifts which I don't think that you have. So, so I think you kind of got to look at each gift maybe and decide and, and try and figure out if that's something that comes about when you uh, are born or when you're a Christian or those those kinds of things. Let me give you some examples. So like the word of knowledge, right? Like so just knowing something that you couldn't have possibly known otherwise because the Holy Spirit um, gave you insight into it. I think that that is, uh, that is clearly a, a spiritual gift uh, which the Holy Spirit um, gives uh, to a person when they are 
born again, and it's also not something that you can just tap into at any time you want, right? So those are an occasional thing. Whereas maybe like the gift of teaching is maybe a mixture, right? Some people just think in a really linear fashion, and they're good teachers before they um, became a Christian. And like I've known little kids who are really good at teaching other people how to do things. They just think in steps. Um, but then there are other people who... Uh, you know, it's when they become a Christian. That's when their their thinking gets clarified. Or maybe it's a mixture of both. There are other ones like a gift of prophecy. Again, it's not something that you just tap into and it's constant all the time. It, it'll be given in a moment for a particular need or a particular thing. Like a, a, a word of wisdom, that's another spiritual gift that's mentioned. So that's an occasional thing that comes about where God says, hey, I'm going to give you the wisdom. I'm going to give you a special word from me right now, the wisdom you need for this situation. So I do think it's a combination of both, but there are some gifts that I think are particularly occasional and particularly just endowed by the Spirit of God um, and not uh, a natural ability. So I hope that answers your question, Seth. Thank you so much, and God bless you. You're listening at Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got nine minutes left, and we've got two callers on the line. Let's go to uh, Chris in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Chris. Hey. Hi, Pastor. Welcome. How are you? Doing great. What's up? Yeah, so I just had a quick question. Um, I've been going to a, a large church in uh, Highlands Ranch for probably Ten plus years. Um, we've actually had a newer pastor over the past, I guess, five years or so. Um, and the church has kind of taken a shift towards being just really charismatic, a lot of healings, and you know, stuff. I, obviously, I mean, I felt okay with it so far. But as of recently, our senior pastor, I believe, visited a church called Bethel Church in Redding, California. Um, and it's just—it seems to be going in a really interesting, charismatic way. And there's you know, a lot of people are starting to have some concerns, feeling uncomfortable. So. I've been trying to do some research online, I guess, just of that church and their beliefs and, you know, is it biblical and, and doing as much reading as I can, I guess. But I guess my question is, what is your take on that? Is it, are they biblical? Or are they not? I just am having trouble trying to discern, you know, am I, I guess, at the right place, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I don't know a lot about Bethel. Um, I mean, I know... I've heard a lot of things. I heard the name. I've heard a lot of people are very, uh, who I, the people I've talked to have been very cautious or very um, wary about them. But I don't think I could tell you anything in particular to put your finger on to say, you know, good or bad. I will tell you this. I know the pastor, his name is Bill Johnson. And uh, they're, they are kind of with uh, this group, or at least he used to be associated with this group called the Kansas City Prophets. So I would encourage you to kind of research the Kansas City Prophets and um, and see what, what comes up through that. Um, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily doctrine in a church uh, as it is practice, right? So like they might have a a great doctrinal statement, but they might have practices which um, which are of concern to people. And if they're of concern to you, then I would say, well, let's talk about each of those practices and let's consider where those practices come from and if those things are biblical. But it is, it, it can be hard, you know, like there can be churches where you look at, or even movements, where you look at their denominational statement of faith, like their official statement of faith, and, you know, there's nothing you can really point at to say that that's good or bad. 
I mean, well, you could actually look at it and say maybe it is good, right? Um, and yet there are practices and things like that which seem unhealthy or not biblical. Again, I, I feel like I know too little about them to really give you a definitive answer. But let me just ask you this. Are there any particular things which have been a concern to you? Just kind of the overall practice of our church. So it's evangelical, um, you know, it's kind of the background there. But there's interesting things. Like the pastor yesterday, um, I guess one of the executive senior pastors is a woman. And okay. I'm always kind of concerned with that from reading First Timothy. But then yesterday he's saying, you know, he believes she's a prophet and has visions, which I also believe that, that God speaks to us in different ways as well. But then, you know, you hear about the Bethlehem, it's just becoming very, very charismatic, a lot of healings and just great stuff, but I just want to make sure it's biblical, I guess, is more of the concern. Yeah. Um, I guess specifically from Bethel, I've heard of practices such as is grave sucking. I, I don't really understand what that is, but mm -hmm. it kind of makes you, I, I don't know, I, I guess just through my Christian walk and reading my Bible, I, you know, obviously taking my family, there's my responsibility to make sure things are biblical. You start to have this discernment, but I don't know if it's for good reason or not. Um, cause like I said, maybe the church wasn't charismatic at all, and now it's very charismatic, right? Like people laying on the floor, it's just interesting things. Um, and so just with that change, it's something different, and I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm just kind of skewing too much, but it's kind of what I'm seeing is some things are, are concerning, but when I read, like, websites and whatnot, it seems very biblical, Right, you know, right. Jesus Christ is God, you know, the Trinity, all the, all the basic factors seem to be there. Just, it's kind of just going to a one extreme, it feels like, if that makes sense. Yeah, I do know about that grave-sucking thing. Uh, we've only got four minutes left, so I can't okay. go into detail, but I'll just say that grave-sucking seems to be something that Bethel itself was never officially associated with. Okay. Um, but it was people from Bethel who were into this whole thing of, you know, grave-sucking, like raising people from the dead and like digging up graves and stuff like that. Um, okay. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that that was something that I did hear though, that they didn't necessarily, um, they didn't, Oh, here it is. Grave soaking is the process by which Christian, someone lays on the grave of a deceased Christian or to absorb their mantle or their anointing. Yeah. So I, I see no biblical, you know, practice for that. Here, here's the thing about some of these newer charismatic movements, and, and I would just say this is a warning that I would have about some of them, is that um, it's, it gets into this issue of what we would call sources of theology, right? So as, as Christians, you know, the whole Protestant Reformation is based on this idea of sola scriptura, that the scriptures are our source of theology, yeah. um, you know, as opposed to, let's say, the Orthodox Church, which, uh, and the Catholic Church in the past, which, which has put... Um, you know, scripture and tradition on equal footing. And then you have, uh, you know, the more recent Catholic Church, which would put um, the, what the Pope says, ex cathedra, I mean, from his official chair, as, you know, that is the key source of theology. And then you have what's called a zero source theology. I realize I'm giving you a ton of information in no, a very short amount of time. But, uh, yeah, it's called zero source theology theology. And what that means is that um, these are people like Benny Hinn tends to do this, or and it sounds like these guys might do this a little bit, which is where they say, okay, it's not in the Bible, but, you know, the Bible isn't like a closed thing. Like, a you know, it's the Bible was, you know, their truth for them at that time, but the Holy Spirit is still speaking, still giving new revelation. And so they'll come up with something off the wall that you can't really prove or disprove based on the Bible because it doesn't really say. And they'll just say, hey, the Holy Spirit told me to do this. And that's their justification for it. 
And I, I do think that is worrisome because I think that there are a lot of implications for that. Like, do we actually believe uh, what the Bible says is true or not? Like, do we believe that it is authoritative and that it really does have everything that we need for life and godliness? I, I believe it does. I believe that that's very clear. Um, that that God is able to do that and that he did do that. And that doesn't mean that there can't be other things that God speaks, right? But I do think that when it comes to new doctrines, there won't be new doctrines. There won't be new revelation about more doctrines. And uh, we should be able to weigh all practices against the scriptures. So First Thessalonians chapter 5 says some, something very good. You know, it says, do not despise prophecy. But then the very next verse says, but prove all things or test all things, depending on your translation, and hold fast to that which is good. And so you want to make sure that the things you're hearing, you know, it's like, that's the difficulty with some of these things. Like, the only bearing you have to judge whether or not this is good or whether or not it's from God is just what this person says, or you test it against Scripture, you test the fruit of it, you see if it's truly good. So why don't we just pray together, and I'm going to just yeah. ask that God would give you insight into that and a clarity and vision that he would lead you in that. But um, but hopefully that gives you some direction to think. So, Heavenly Father, I pray for uh, our brother here, Chris, and I just ask, Lord, that you give him a lot of wisdom with this church uh, that he's involved in, and uh, whether these concerns that he has are valid concerns, or whether he's just worrying because it's something new, Lord, I pray that you'd really give him uh, insight into that, that he would understand what is from you and what is not. And Lord, I do pray that he would be rooted in your word. And, uh, and that that would be really his solid footing and foundation. Jesus, you are the word incarnate, but you have given us your written word. So thank you for that. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Chris. Thanks for calling in. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, I will be with you again later this week. God bless you and have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.